As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Tim Britton asked for a much more dramatic introduction to the Metrospectives live Q&A podcast. And I was hoping to provide one today, but Tim himself is a late scratch and not here to hear uh, a gussied up introduction. I had my trumpet out. I was working through the line from, from Narcos, of course, by Blaster Jacks and Timmy Trumpet, best known uh, among Mets fans, as Edwin Diaz's entrance music, it sounded terrible in uh, from my lips, uh, my uh, very unpracticed trumpet playing. I am not yet at that Timmy Trumpet level. Uh, as I've said on this podcast before, Timmy Trumpet really does have, have excellent tone. Uh, you can tell, uh, even without checking his Instagram, that he is a man who travels the world uh, with his trumpet making lovely music uh, for the likes of Edwin Diaz. Uh, we're going to take questions. You are all welcome. Please do join me on stage in Tim's absence. Uh, I could use good questions. I am not as qualified as you probably know from listening as Tim to answer some of the nuts and bolts questions about the goings on of the team because I'm simply not around them as much as he am, he is. But uh, I have been doing this for for quite some time now. Um, if you if you don't know me, I I worked for for SNY for a long time before I did this. I worked for the USA Today for for six and a half years. I've been to the clubhouse, so uh, it's not like a it's a it's a totally foreign room to me. Uh, I do have a question, um, and I'm going to find it. It's from our friend. Oh no, it's not from Clay Davis, uh, our friend. It's uh, I'm going to I'm going to dig up this question because it was a good one. Um, it's from Andrew Florio, eh, who emailed, uh, and he emailed to ask, which current Met do you think has the highest ceiling as a manager? Uh, his pick is, I think, the same as mine. And again, we're all new to watching a lot of these guys. Uh, we're still getting a, a, a feel for how they react in game situations and everything else. Um, Andrew suggested Eduardo Escobar. That seems like a good fit. That's a guy who, um, based on our early impressions, based on what we know of his big league career, his reputation, does seem like possibly manager material. 
another guy I threw out just uh, because he's a personality is is Mark Canna. Uh, Canna's a guy you could see doing a, a lot of things, I think, after his baseball career, possibly um, something, not that managing isn't interesting, but something a little bit different, a little, uh, a little more uh, unusual than, than going into the coaching ranks. Um, and another guy, and, and I think this is sort of a, a de facto answer for all teams, uh, would be uh, the backup catcher. A backup catcher is a role, I think, a lot of teams, if, if there is one spot on the roster that teams sort of reserve at this point in 2022 for a guy with intangibles. It's almost always the backup catcher. Um, I know from, from reporting and, and many reporters will tell you the, the backup catcher on a team is very often uh, the most insightful quote, the best quote, a guy who um, almost serves a role as an extra coach in many situations. Um, and so Nito would be a, another guy I would like look at. It's a great time for the Mets right now. It's a great time to be a Mets fan. We know it's early in the season. Presumably you've, you've heard the small sample size song at some point. Um, it is about how small the sample sizes are and how deceiving they could be uh, at this point in a baseball season. But what is true? What we know is that the Mets just took three out of four from a San Francisco Giants team. Uh, that didn't look bad. And that was the very much or, or very similar to the club that won the most games in the National League last year. That has added Carlos Rodon. Uh, that is, you know, the, the class of the National League. And, and the Mets, have, at least for these four games, outclassed them. Certainly the next time they play, it could be a different series, different story. We all have seen that before. Um, but where the Mets are right now. Uh, as they enter play, I'm, I'm speaking on Friday morning. They are 10 and 4, which is good for a four game lead over the Braves and the Marlins in the division. Obviously, it's far, far, far too soon to be scoreboard watching anything like that. But the way I always think about it um, with the team getting off to a hot start uh, would be to, to think about it as a, as a reset from here, right? I think entering the, entering the season. You might have said, oh, you know, the Mets look like they're going to contend in the National League East. You'd say, well, the Braves are uh, obviously the returning champion. They're a really good team. They made some some moves this offseason, didn't bring back Freddie Freeman, did bring in Matt Olson. You know all about that. They've got a Ronald Acuna coming back. Uh, a lot of reason to like that Braves team. And, and I think that Braves team is obviously a lot better than the, the six and eight squad we've seen so far. But um, if you want to look at it this way, you can say, well, okay. Is that Braves team on a true talent level? Are they four full games better than the Mets? If you were if you were forecasting before the season started, I think a lot of people thought, okay, the Braves will will take this division by a game or two, and it's going to be a tight race. The Phillies have a good team as well. The Marlins have, I think, a better team than a lot of people realize with all that young pitching. And you can see a little bit of a of a dogfight playing out in the NL East. I don't think a lot of people would have said, oh, the Braves will definitely, you know, oust the Mets by, by more than four games. And so um, if you think about it, not as a, as a 162 game season, but as a uh, 148 game season beginning today, where the Mets are spotted a four game lead, 
then I think the Mets become the obvious favorites to win the National League East. And sure enough, if you go to the most updated uh, Kokoda on baseball perspectives, it shows the Mets uh, forecasted to win 93 games to beat the Braves. Uh, the, the Braves, they have at 90.3. So that's really exactly in that margin uh, where, you know, this early, early four game lead in the division uh, could wind up making the difference in September, which is sort of a crazy thing to think about. Um, but it's not hard to believe right now, based on the way this team is playing, that they are a serious postseason contender, that uh, they are among the best teams in the National League. They can hang with the Dodgers and, and the Giants um, and I guess the Brewers who have you know that great pitching staff and a lot of talent. But it's not, um, I think, back to teams like the, the 2010 club, which got off to, a, I don't know if they got off to a pretty good start, but I remember right around June, they were in really good shape, but they were in really good shape with, uh, you know, Alex Cora playing every day and, and Jeff Frank Cora playing a ton and just a lineup that did not look like it was built to hold up for 162. This is a different situation. Uh, You see professional at-bats up and down the lineup. You see the really, really deep lineup we talked about. Uh, James McCann's not hitting. Robinson Cano's not hitting. Uh, Dom Smith and J.D. Davis haven't done much yet, but pretty much everyone else has been real, real good for the Mets. Starling Marte, the the OPS doesn't look great at 663, but he's come through in so many big spots that you feel pretty confident about uh, him being better moving forward. And I think you feel really, really good about the start. Francisco Lindor is off to uh, another home run. I want, I'm thinking in Thursday's game, if I'm remembering right. Uh, and and uh, the starting pitching has just been unbelievable, historically good. Uh, and, and, you know, they, we finally saw some uh, less than stellar performances this week. Uh, Chris Bassett got hit around a little bit. Tyler McGill got hit around a little bit. Uh, in both cases, it was really nice to see them rebound and uh, at least give the Mets a little bit of length. And then in Thursday's game, yet again, uh, Carlos Carrasco just looked I- incredible. Uh, he's you know, probably not a guy who's going to give you a 1.47 ERA all season because he's not Jacob deGrom. Uh, he's probably not going to maintain a, a 10 to 1 strikeout to walk rate all season again because he's not Jacob deGrom, but he is a, he has been. Uh, throughout his career, when healthy, a really, really good pitcher. Uh, the the Mets, uh, despite the the age across the roster, uh, they do look really deep right now. This is sort of the uh, this is the circumstance we were worried about a little bit entering the season. You know, how do they do down a couple of starting pitchers? They're down the best starting pitcher in the world in Jacob Degrom. Uh, Ty Walker a little bit banged up too, but he's on the mend. And even with with Tyler McGill. Uh, who's been great, and and David Peterson in the rotation. They're winning games, and they're getting really good starting performances. The bullpen is rounding into shape. Joely Rodriguez, a guy I was very down on uh, from his first couple outings, seems to have settled in now. Seems like we, we know what role he's going to play. Uh, Jason Shreve has been really good, giving them a little bit of length out of the bullpen. Drew Smith, Edwin Diaz has been great. Uh, you feel good. You feel good if you're a Mets fan. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's a rare thing. You know, you don't, you don't feel that way every day. Uh, I can't promise you're going to feel that way in a month, but I do say, uh, we should enjoy this because it does feel, um, if not 100% convincing yet, only because 
Uh, I, I can't speak for you, but I am uh, very much a, a browbeaten Mets fan used to disappointment, constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. But uh, if in that a Mets fan can feel confident about a team after 14 games, uh, I am there. I'm, I'm there. Uh, I hope, I trust that you may be there as well. Uh, if you have a question, if you'd like to join me on stage, this is a rare opportunity, right? We got, uh, we have no Tim here today. And so uh, we, you can, you can have your opportunity to Wally Pep, Tim Britton. He's good. He's good. He knows a lot about the Mets. He has a lot of things to say about books and TV and pizza. So, you know, you're going to have to show something. It's not, it's not as simple as, uh, as you know, you step in, you ask me a question, I like you, and Tim's gone. I don't actually have that authority for one thing. But, uh, you know, people forget when we say Wally Pip, the guy replacing Wally Pip is Lou Gehrig. So if you can prove you are uh, a Lou Gehrig of podcasting, well, then maybe there's an opportunity here for you. And our first person to take that crack is going to be Eddie D. D. Eddie, welcome. You are on the stage. What's going on? Ted, my man, thanks for the introduction. Thank um, you for thank you for calling in when Tim's not here. It it feels good. Yeah, you got it. Someone wants to talk Tim's to a, me. Tim's a swell guy, but the Lou Gehrig um, introduction was uh, was very much appreciated. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, you know you you hit the nail on the head when you said let's let's think of this as the season starting over because um, we've all been there. You just mentioned it also with the 2010 season. We've all been there where they've gone out to a hot start. April is a traditional – April and May are months where the Mets are, are usually doing pretty well, right? Last year in August, it was a bloodbath. A few years ago, it was uh, June that was, you know, similar. So I'm taking this as every 10, 15 games, let's start fresh and and uh, and sort of think about, uh, you know, the go-forward plan here because there's nothing that we uh, – we're we're used to more than than the team kind of collapsing down the stretch, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think we're absolutely, especially. It seems like June is almost always the cruelest month for the Mets because that's right, right, and that's um, I think from you know as a it's sort of a traditional baseball approach to think like, hey, let's let's see where everyone's at on Memorial Day, and then and then start buying into things. The Mets can hang until Memorial Day; they've got no problem with that. It's that June starts usually, and they completely fall apart. Um, traditionally, I feel like mm-hmm. that has that has been an issue of depth. Um, and like I said, the Mets are already stretched at this point, right? They've already got uh, those backup guys, McGill and, and Peterson guys. We saw as okay, well, they're in good shape because they have those guys to fill in in the rotation. Now they don't. Now those guys are in the rotation. So uh, if another guy gets right. down, goes down by June, right. if it doesn't look like Degrom is coming back, yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe the the other shoe is going to drop. Yeah, and, and let's you know we we don't need another Jared Eikhoff situation, um, you know, rolling through. Uh, I will say that the bullpen, you know, even though it, I think it's gone in the last fifteen innings or so and had a pretty decent ERA, maybe like one or two earned runs in the last fifteen, um, that's already an area where we got to start like scouting some uh, some additions because that's traditionally, of course, you'll see the contenders really thinking about adding um, adding to the bullpen as. You know, the Braves did last year, um, for example. So that's that's already a place where we should start to to think about. Yeah, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think that's the case almost and, and I think Tim pointed this out on a on a recent show. That's almost always the case for every contender. Like even the teams that have the stacked bullpens, 
Uh, by come come late July, you always see a hole somewhere. There's there's always it's it's just one of those one of those pieces that that can never hurt you having another good bullpen arm. And so uh, I think you're right. I think that they probably will ultimately. I mean, they're obviously going to make some changes because the roster is going to get smaller. Um, you're going to see over time, you know, which of these guys uh, turn out to be effective, whether uh, Rodriguez is the guy who had a couple rough outings early on or the guy who has been locking down lefties since. Um, I, a guy I'm a little bit concerned about, uh, and, and I don't know if you're with me on this one, Eddie, is – is Seth Lugo just because he's looked sh- so shaky early on. Uh, I tend to believe it's five and a third innings yep. and I shouldn't yep. get too worried about it. He's been a really good reliever whenever he's been healthy, but uh, you worry about the, the injuries with him a little bit and, and you hope that nothing is going on to create this performance. That's a, it's a great point. I think his, his curveball has looked pretty iffy um, in terms of location. I think Gary made the point on the broadcast a couple of days ago that his location and his command really hasn't been um, uh, stellar since the injury uh, before the 2020 season. So, um, you know, we have, he's, he's certainly one to watch. I think we all probably agree that he would be the linchpin, as you just mentioned. You know, I was really hoping that they would sign someone like a Knable, like in the offseason. Mm-hmm. But, uh, of course, the money really only goes so far. Um, you know, I, I would really, really love for them not to trade any of the top prospects, of course, for, for something as simple as a bullpen arm. Not that I think that they're going to go that route. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's going to co- come down to, a, to really picking up someone like an Addison Reed, you know, from, from a, the 2015 season who was a stellar mm-hmm. setup guy and ended up pitching some major innings like down the stretch, uh, even in 2016 too, when Familia was hurt, I think. So um, it's, a, it's, it's certainly an area of concern. And, and Ted, thanks again for, uh, for you know, um, bringing me on here. My, my pleasure. And, and thanks again to Eddie for the call. Uh, yeah. And, and again, I think Eddie is right. This is not the bullpen that you're going to see in July. If the Mets are competitive, um, you will see a, a refined bullpen by the end of the season. Uh, as he mentioned, you know, maybe there's reason to be concerned around, around Lugo. Again, it's very, very early. Trevor May has probably not been as, as reliable as people would have hoped in the, in his first four outings, but, uh, Drew Smith has been a lot better than anyone would have guessed. Jason Shreve has been better than anyone have, would have guessed. Adam Adovino, who was a, an offseason addition of of some repute, I think has been better than than people would have guessed in the early on. And and that is kind of the way good bullpens come together. I feel like it's it's very rare. Um, you think back to the 2009 Mets. Um, this is my my area of expertise is is those Mets clubs when. Um, everybody knew the 2008 Mets team had a bullpen issue. And so they went out and they got the two best available relievers in, in K-Rod and J.J. Putz. Um, we all know about that. Uh, we all remember what happened. You, you have the, the, you know, the best laid plans in building a bullpen and you go out and you get the guys who performed really well the previous season. Um, but reliever performance exists in small samples. It is always fickle to some extent and uh i mean obviously arm injuries happen pitchers get hurt all the time certain members of major league bullpens are there because teams you know weren't certain they would hold up as starting pitchers and so uh you you know there's always going to be injuries there's always going to be changes i feel like for april 22nd is it april 22nd yes it is you like where the Mets bullpen is at right now, and that's not something I have said about a Mets team 
Uh, kind of in a while last year's bullpen was was okay for for a large stretches of the season as well. But uh, certainly it is uh, the minority of times when I feel confident that the Mets bullpen, given a lead in the sixth, seventh, eighth, is going to uh, get get the game locked down without some drama. Um, even Edwin Diaz, for as good as he's been, is a guy who can uh, have some some of those dramatic saves. Um, not quite, certainly not K-Rod level of, you know, walking three guys, not allowing any runs and, and escaping. Um, Diaz is, is quite a bit more convincing to me than that, but he can get a little wild. And, and so, um, you know, we haven't seen that that part of, of Diaz yet. It's not going to be this good. Uh, you guys know this. It's not going to be. The Mets are not going to finish the season. They have a 2.52 staff ERA. Uh, they're not going to finish the season like that, but they are. They do have a really good pitching staff. I, I think it's it's fair to expect if they stay healthy or stay something close to healthy that they will have one of the top three or four pitching staffs in the major league, top to bottom, including that bullpen. Um, and with how deep the lineup is, it's almost like, you just need those guys to hit to their proven ability. You don't really need anyone going, uh, you know, uh, having that magical season to compete here. It would be nice if someone does for sure. Um, and you, you definitely need you know, the, the Jack McNeils of the world and, and Lindor too, to some extent, to return to previous career norms. But you don't need, um, I think back again, talking about, you know, the, the early 20 teens, think back to that 2010 San Francisco Giants team that won the World Series because it felt like every single move they made hit and a bunch of guys who you couldn't have reasonably expected to contribute wound up having huge seasons for them. That's not how this Mets team is built. They don't, um, they don't need luck to compete they need oh, all teams need some extent some amount of luck to compete uh that's a that's an exaggeration but they are they're deep they're built to win they have good players they're they're for real i think it's it's safe to say they're for real looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, Joseph W. has dropped a question in the chat. Um, again, we are, you are welcome to join me on stage here. But Joseph wants to know, does anyone around the team 
honestly feel DeGrom contributes this year. Um, yes, I mean, it sounds like from from what you hear, it, it does seem like they, they think he's going to come back. Um, I don't know. I am always skeptical with pitcher injuries. I'm uh, always concerned with stranger or less common pitcher injuries. I think there's there's a certain number of them at this point that we feel like are, are fairly quantifiable. You know, if a guy gets Tommy John surgery, uh, you know, 16 months or so, he should be back to... Uh, and not in all cases, but in many cases, he should be back to his old self. Um, stress reaction in the in the scapula, you know, we, uh, we've heard uh, we've heard Michael Waka and and Brandon McCarthy, but those are the names you hear because uh, they are the only guys who've had that issue. And neither of those guys, both of whom were respectable major league pitchers, neither of those guys has ever pitched like the greatest pitcher of all time. Uh, which Jacob DeGrom very much has. And that's not saying he's the greatest pitcher of all time. He has performed at that level for extended stretches of time. Um, and so he's just like a, Tim and I talked about this as well with his Kokoda progression, uh, projections. He's just such an outlier. Um, and because of all the injury concerns last year, because um, throwing the ball as well as he does and moving it like he does and controlling it like he does just seems superhuman to me, honestly. Um, and, uh, there's a recent quote from someone who just retired, uh, Jake Arrieta, who just said, they said like, who's your favorite pitcher to watch? And he, he basically laughed at the question. So like, obviously Jacob DeGrom, this guy is operating on a different level. And because he's at that level, I feel like that makes me even more concerned because he just exists in unprecedented territory. Uh, we have another person waiting for the stage. It's William S. William S. Uh, tell me, uh, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, Ted? Thank you for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Um, I'm very excited about the start of the season, like everyone. Uh, it's too early to tell what's going to happen, but the thing that's really most exciting me as a Met fan is just Steve Cohen in general and dreaming about what the next major hmm. thing the Mets are going to do, like either be it trade or the next superstar that's going to join the team. Um, I was just wondering, uh, if you don't mind some wild speculation, who do you think the next major person to join the Mets will be in the future? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think everyone is now has their eye on Aaron judge, right? Because the Mets, I mean, we know Nimmo is, it sounds like Nimmo is going to be headed to free agency. There's going to be an, an opportunity for someone in the outfield for the Mets. Um, now granted. Some of those prospects, uh, one of Beatty, Brent, Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos will likely wind up kicked to the outfield. And so I think you, you were, you don't worry. Uh, it would be a good problem to have too many players, as I, as I always say. But uh, you do want to make sure those guys have a path to playing time if they continue performing like they have. Vientos had a huge year for his age last year. Beatty is off to a great start in double A right now. He's a, a better regarded prospect than Vientos. And so, uh, I think you, you think about, you know, where those guys fit for sure, but uh, you make room, you make room for Aaron judge. You make a lot of room because he's a large man. Um, and so I, you know, what I, when I look at the Mets roster, um, you see, like I said, I keep saying depth. I, you see a ton of depth. You see stars on the pitching staff, right? DeGrom when he's healthy is a superstar. Max, Max Scherzer is a superstar. Edwin Diaz is a, is a star. Um, they have a lot of really good offensive players. Francisco Lindor is a star for his all-around game, uh, a superstar, I'd say. 
what they don't have is that terrifying bat in the middle. And so for me, uh, I want that guy. And the guy who seems like he'll be available soonest is is playing across town right now. Do you think they have, you know, because there's only so many like 35 million plus dollar players, I guess they could fit. I know their payroll is like amazing, but do you think that they have long-term planning with these things? Or do you think Cohen's kind of like, well, Aaron Judge is the next great guy available in free agencies. Let's just get him. Or do you think they're thinking like, well, Shohei Otani will be a free agent like a couple of years down the road. Let's save $425 million for him or, you know, some ridiculous amount. Do you think they have long-term planning with these things? Or they're just sort of like whatever opportunity comes our way, we'll take. That's a great question. I would guess, and, and thank you for the questions, William. Uh, I'm going to uh, remove William from the stage. Uh, I would say, I, th- I think that you have to, you have to have long-term planning for financial flexibility, but if you're targeting specific players for, oh, you know, this guy's going to be 2025 free agent, 2026 free agent, we want to keep the spot open for him. Uh, I think that's foolish. I think that you're, you're looking at things the wrong way. Michael Conforto, uh, two years ago, seemed like he was certain to get a, a six, uh, no, I'm sorry, a nine-figure deal in free agency. Uh, if some team was carving out a place for Michael Conforto two years ago, they obviously have not pursued it yet because Conforto is, is still home and not playing, probably because he's attached to the qualifying offer comp- uh, compensation, uh, which is, I believe, going away. Um, but I think that, you know, there's, there's so much variability in baseball performance. There's so much injury, um, you know, as good as Otani is, as exciting as Otani is, I, you know, if you were available now, you do everything you can to get him. You can't say for sure that two, three years from now, he's going to be the main guy you want. In fact, um, I mean, we know from free agency that, that, that typically it's not the best way to acquire star players. It works out. Uh, I worked out with the Nationals and, and Max Scherzer. Um, it has, you know, there, there are times when it works out. It seems to be working out so far for the Phillies and Bryce Harper. But more often, more often than not, the free agent mega deal uh, winds up being sort of a, an albatross by the end for, for a team. Now, there's a lot to that. Teams make more money than, than they ever did in the past. They have more money than they say they can spend, I'm sure. Uh, especially Steve Cohen, who's saying he can spend any amount of money and will happily pay the Cohen tax. You love hearing that. I don't want to hear that if it's Aaron Judge, if it's anyone else. I don't want to hear, oh, we didn't pursue this guy this offseason because of the guy that's going to be available next offseason. If it's a matter of, oh, we didn't want to sign a shortstop because that's a bad example because they have a shortstop, but we didn't want a guy to sign a guy at this position because you look down the road and you see like seven or eight players available the next year. That's one thing. Um, targeting specific guys like that, it's just a, it's just a bad idea because like I could always send it, sign an extension with his team. Right. And then, and then where did you go with your plan? Uh, we have a couple more people waiting in the room. Uh, first up is Cal G. Cal, what's going on? Hey, Ted. Uh, hello from London. How are you doing? Excellent. Hey, just uh, so kind of following on from that question, maybe this is the jaded Walponian um, thing we've just come from, but do, do, we, do you feel we're in the kind of best um, time to win right now? Because it does feel like the best position players we have are in their upper 20s, early 30s, and with the pitching staff, it's, it's on the older side. And with the pipeline, there's not many decent arms coming through. Matthew Allen's not scheduled till 2025. So where do you think we are in the kind of win curve? 
Yeah, I think um, that's a good question. I think this is it. This is like, and it doesn't mean that they can't compete next year or the year after. I think what they're going for, what they've said they're going for is sustainable winning. And that means uh, building at the big league level, signing big free agents, maintaining a high payroll without uh, without going too deep into the farm for, for acquisitions, without robbing your minor league system, while maintaining the organizational depth. Uh, the Dodgers are the obvious model. The Mets have been very clear that the Dodgers are the model. Um, and, you know, if you look at that club, it's, a, it's always... Uh, it's always a mix of, of veterans, uh, several high, very highly paid veterans, um, but it also seems like they're just constantly bringing up uh, new contributors, good players. You look at their farm system now, uh, even you know after they've been this competitive team for so long, the farm system's stacked still, the Dodgers. And so um, you hope the Mets are going for that, but uh, as they are currently constituted, they have one of the oldest teams in baseball. I was just looking at this on the, uh, the baseball references. Baseball references a you know, batter age, pitcher age. Um, by batter age, Mets hitters are uh, the second oldest squad in the majors behind only the Yankees. The average Mets offensive player is 30.4. Um, one of only four teams where the average player is over 30. Um, the Reds were dragged up by some veterans and then the Giants and the Yankees do two other teams very much in, in win now mode. Um, and then in terms of pitcher age, uh, average pitcher age 31.2. Uh, and that is, that is the oldest uh, of all major league teams. So they have basically the oldest team in major league baseball. And that means, that means. It, it does it does feel like we're kind of at the point where if we've next two years is the prime thing where we see the impact of Cohen's money. And then two or three years after that is when hopefully they could start re properly rebuilding a pipeline of prospects to get close to the, where the Dodgers are. And then you can start having a consistent winning year after year. Yeah, um, I think that's absolutely right. And thank you so much, Cal, for the question, for calling in from London, which is so exciting to me. Uh, as as uh, a longtime listener to know, I'm just fascinated with uh, the the range this, uh, of listeners we have here. Um, I think that a farm system and farm depth can come together a lot faster than we think because, you know, we tend to hear, okay, this guy was a big international signing. You hear about the, some guys from the time that Francisco Alvarez is a good case. Uh, you hear about some of these guys from the time they're 16 and you sort of think, think okay, that's a prospect and, and the rest of that class is, is not a prospect. Um, prospects emerge. Um, a great example, uh, Jose Buto, a guy, if I'm going to be honest, I never really heard of before this season. I think I saw him on some, some Mets prospect lists, like sort of uh, down ballot Mets prospect lists entering this year. Uh, Jose Buto at double A, and again, it's 13 and two thirds innings. Uh, in 13 and two thirds innings, he's allowed one earned run with 20 strikeouts and three walks. Uh, anyone, I mean, anyone will tell you that that strikeout to walk rate is the type of thing that is a, a much better harbinger of what's to come than a player's ERA at this point in the season. He's probably not going to be a 0.66 guy, even at double A. Um, but a guy like that who didn't seem like a prospect, didn't seem like it, you know, wasn't a guy who was showing up on top 100 lists before the season. If he's, you know, a third as good as he's been to date this year. Uh, he's a little bit older. He's 24, but uh, that guy could very much look like a top prospect by the end of the year. Also, 
teams value guys differently than Baseball America and Baseball Prospectus and MLB.com and all of the other people who uh, evaluate prospects, all of whom do a really good job. It's extremely hard to do. Um, but just look at like the Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Guardians, sorry, um, for examples of, of a team that can, you know, without um, lighting up those prospect lists, still just sort of consistently churn out great major league players. Shane Bieber, who's one of the best pitchers in the game when he's healthy, was never a top 100 prospect. He was just a, a performer. Uh, Jose Ramirez, who is their, their best player, one of the best players in the majors, was never, never a big prospect. Um, good players come from all over the place. Uh, they, they congeal sometimes when you're not really expecting it, if that's the right verb. Um, they burst onto the scene sometimes. Tyler McGill is a great example. No one entering last year was thinking, oh, Tyler McGill is a guy who's going to have a long and successful major league career. Now, I feel like he's going to. And, and uh, you know, he very much, I think, exceeded expectations last year and is showing us uh, this is the guy he can be. We have no one else waiting. I, we may have someone else waiting. I'm, I'm having a little bit of a... Uh, trouble reading the, the live room here, but uh, that's been that's been quite a bit of, of flying solo here for me. Uh, hopefully, we will have a co-host again for the next show. We will let you know who that's going to be. Uh, Tim will be back at some point for sure. Uh, but until then, uh, enjoy yourselves. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who had questions, and peace out.